0: Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 103, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, why Mississippi may hold back thousands of third-graders. And a Houston school district now owes $9.2 million for copyright violations of a study guide. Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, how to set up a care closet for your school and get the students to use it. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortego here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt. Lisa, how are you doing?
1: I am great.
0: I think I know why you're great. This summer has started, right?
1: Almost. Yeah, we're, in, we're still in professional development days at our school, but the kids are no longer with us.
0: Oh, so you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And uh, what are the big plans this summer?
1: Oh, um, I'm chaperoning a senior trip. (laughs) So that's the first thing on the agenda.
0: That sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, (laughs) we'll we'll see. I'll let you know when I get back. Are you nervous about that? (laughs) I am. I'm not nervous for my own child, but it's hard to be... Policing other people's 18 year olds.
0: Yeah. Know? So that, that. I part mean, can you me really is... even police an 18 year old? I mean, there's... I don't
1: think we can. I think there's yeah. like a parent meeting this week that kind of just says just that like, hey, look, we'll do our best.
0: Right, 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 <laughs> right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the uh, teacher's lounge. Tell me what you know.
1: Oh, gosh. This has been talked about so much in our teacher's lounge. Um, here in the state of Mississippi, we have the reading gate test. And it's basically a test that if you, it's a reading test that's issued to all third graders across the state. If you can't pass it, then you do not promote to fourth grade, no matter what, you
0: know? So no matter, no matter what, like you could be like a third grader until you're a senior, if you cannot pass this test.
1: Well, I don't know about all those details, but I know that you are not allowed to promote. Um, you are retained. You're given two more chances to take the test. Um, but if you, if you can't pass it within three tries, now obviously if you have a SPED ruling or things like that come into effect, and so those students are not held um, to that retention, they are, they are passed because they have a SPED ruling. But if you don't have a SPED ruling, and I think if you haven't been retained before, then you are being retained in third grade until you can pass that reading gate test. So the results are in, and one in four Mississippi third graders failed, the reading test statewide. Um, I know that the that's, day that that's the, a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, and I know that the day that the, the results were in, it was just a really kind of shocking day at our school because they actually, to be fair, they changed the score where you used to um, I believe it's used to could pass it with a three, but now you had to have a two to pass it or, or I may be saying that in reverse, but they, they, made it a little harder to pass this year. So we were expecting some kids to to not pass just because it was a little bit harder to pass um but there were a lot that that didn't pass that uh, you know across the state that were s- shocking. but then of course, I will say Nick that there are a lot of people even in education that believe that this should have been happening years ago. Um, social promotion has kind of been, a black eye um, where kids are passed on because they're kind or sweet or because they're so close. So we're going to, we're going to help them through, but, but that shows that they end up dropping out later. Um, So they have this gate test in third grade and another one in eighth grade. And the idea is to catch it when they're younger um, so that they're not in high school dropping out and not graduating because they can't pass, Tests and things.
0: So. That, that's interesting. I mean, I think logistically, I, I think a lot of people would agree. Like, oh okay, yeah, you should not be passed unless you can read, right? Like, I, I, most people are probably on the same page as yes, that. But, yeah. but I think logistically, you just really could have a lot of problems because you said one in four, that's that's thousands of students, right? It is, it is, yeah. So, so what happens if you take thousands of students and you have to put them in third grade again? I, like, if you're a principal, like, are all your third grade classes going to end up having right. 40, well, 50 students in them? Like, and
1: here's the trick. Okay, so just to be clear, that's short of 9,000 students in the state of Mississippi that are going to be third graders again. Um, now, they are given two more chances which one of those already passed it was like the last week of school which we could all argue is not the best time to be retesting but right but these children and their families know what's on the line like it's sad it's sad The, mm. you know the kids are stressed um so i mean and i say it's sad but i also know it's necessary like you know that you do You you just cannot promote unless you truly have those skills, or it's going to just really, really snowball later and hurt you later. But yeah, at our school in particular, you know, we have 15 second grade classes and 15 third grade classes. So we have the rising third graders that we already know about, not to mention over the summer, the kids that are going to move into our district and register that, you know, and then we have these potential third graders that are going to be retained, which could be a whole another class, a whole additional class, mm-hmm. um, that would be, that could be retained. That's how many, um, but we're waiting to get the results back from the, the second test, which was the retake. And then if they aren't able to pass that, then they have a third test, and which so, is over so, the summer. And if they
0: don't pass the third, they go back to third grade. That's right. And, and then what if they go another year and they still can't read? Like, or, or is it almost inconceivable that that would happen?
1: Well, I, you know, I know that their our school has um, serious tutoring programs and reach and they're monitoring their scores all year long and their growth all year long. Um, There's some good things that come out of this program, by the way, because, you know, there are some major diagnostics going on with every child in their reading. So you see in second grade, okay, they started reading at this level and look how far they've grown and, We've had some amazing growth at our school where, you know, some kids have grown like 55 percent, like in one year in second grade. So it's not like we're waiting until third grade to be like, oh, gosh, you've got to start reading, you know, like it's it's this program has caused, you know, kindergarten, first and second grade to really tighten up. And, yep, it's stressful. It sure is. It's stressful for the teachers. It's stressful for the kids. You know, it's stressful for students that you know, have dyslexia that have not been identified yet, but this, this is making everybody look close and make sure we catch that there's nobody slipping through the cracks. I'm
0: curious to see how this one plays out. If I, if I understand it right, I think the law was actually like passed years ago, like 2013, but just this new test and these new strict guidelines are just now going into effect, I guess. Yes, it is. And and the governor's very proud of this, this law um, here in Mississippi. Like I think he considers it one of his crowning achievements as governor. But uh, I don't know. I think the the jury's still out. We got to see how all this plays out.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's hard for teachers, you know, to kind of have to look at themselves. If you have a child that's been making straight, ears, straight A's all year long in reading and they get to the end and can't pass that test, which is supposed to be kind of a basic reading test, you know? So then you're like, okay, teacher, you know, something is uh, got to change with you, you know, right. because clearly you're, you're too soft or you're not They're or they're not retaining what you're teaching and maybe they're able to score well um week to week but that's not lasting so you know we want to make sure that these these kids that leave our third grade classrooms are you know they say that third grade is the year of the shift where you're not learning to read you're reading to learn and right. so that's I, I do think third grade's a good year to do it um but it is stressful, and it's hard. It was hard to watch friends of mine feel bad about themselves. Right. You know, that, that they, and, the teacher, and there I'm was sure. one teacher that was sitting right next to me, and it's hard, you know, because here I am as an art teacher, even though I have been in the regular ed classroom, you know, they're just like, it's just so hard. She was like, I can honestly say that I laid my head down at night the night they took that test and just said I did the best I could.
0: Well, I mean, that's all you can do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, know? we even had, like, there's – you know, if you look at the diagnostics across the state, they they break it down right. as far as how many of these had SPED rulings and how many of these are from different socioeconomic backgrounds and and also even uh, have a gifted ruling. Like they're in the Excel gifted classes and yet they failed this test. So wow. it's it's interesting.
0: Well, did you hear about the um, Houston uh, school district, the Houston ISD, that apparently just got slapped with a copyright lawsuit over a study guide uh, costing them $9.2 million?
1: Yikes. No, I did not hear this.
0: This just came out. It was a federal jury. So this was in federal court. And apparently it happened back in, not the ruling, but the actual incident happened back in the winter of 2013. So it was a while back. And a principal at Houston ISD's Westside High School suggested making copies of this study guide that was like nice and colorful. And apparently there was a teacher who was like hey, um, there's a glaring you know, disclaimer about a copyright on here. And the principal was like, eh, no big deal. And there was an email exchange going on, which I assume got subpoenaed along the way. And the teacher was like, okay, well, I'll do what you tell me. I guess I'm okay with violating it. LOL is exactly what the uh, email said. Oh, gosh. And um, so that's all documented. And it was all used in court. And um, this jury, this federal jury, has said, nope, they definitely violated the copyright and we are awarding the company, which is DynaStudy, um, $9.2 million. So it's wow. just like, you know, there's so many times we look at copyrights, I think, and we just kind of go, eh, I'll never get caught, uh, but this one happened. happen. <laughs> like, don't you think? Do you think, like, you ever, do you know anyone who ever, like, grabs a study guide and is a little loose with it or whatever?
1: Well, I mean, especially if it's, if that company is known for, you know, making material study materials, then, yeah, you have to pay for that service. So. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's I've always taught, you know, math um, here recently. And so those study guides come from the manufacturer of the textbooks. And so that, I don't worry about that. But I know on Teachers Pay Teachers, the the copyright thing's a big old deal there, too. You know,
0: this company, Dynastudy, it's a 13 year old company. They have two full time employees and they've sold educational projects to 650 Texas districts. So they're a very small company mm-hmm. and they just got this big windfall. Wow. And it looks like HISD, the board member, is prepared to pay it. Like he's like, all right, we, we will go with the jury's ruling. It doesn't sound like, you know, it's one of these things we'll fight this to the end. <laughs> like they're more like, we're, we're going to have to figure out where we're going to come up with this oh, this money. Man. So just a good reminder to, especially administrators out there who are like, I mean, I'm sure this is going to weigh heavily on this principal's record um, for being loose about this. Um, so, uh, It can come back to bite you. Are you ready for the uh, Bright Idea? Yes. Our guest in today's Bright Idea segment is an educator at Moores Mill Intermediate School in New Market, Alabama, who saw a need and did something about it. Melissa Mann has worked as both a teacher and a counselor, and she's here to share her idea of a care closet with us. Melissa, welcome to Class Dismissed.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: We are very excited to have you because I, I read this um, article that you wrote on uh, Ed Surge and it, I just really loved it because it was um, talking about this care closet that you created. And I, and I think you got the idea from a friend or a colleague who had something similar that she called a pop-up shop. But kind of tell me, you know, what exactly the care closet is.
2: The Care Closet is a place that we've got at our school that is able to house some um, just to, some basic needs for students. We've got clothes in there um, their snack items um, in case, you know, we have a the churches in our community are great about providing those weekend bags. But sometimes you may have that kid that needs something middle of the week or that class that's having snack. But then this student you know, can't provide their own snacks. So, we try to keep snacks and things like that in the closet. And then we also have like a toiletry school supply section um, deodorant and body wash and um, bath supplies and, you know, notebook paper and chapstick and shoelaces were a need we saw last year that we were able to meet a lot. Um, just little things like that, that instead of, hey, we've got to go, because teachers are great about meeting those basic needs, but it's inconveniencing if you've got to tell that student, hey, I'm going to run to one. Walmart tonight and I'll bring it to you tomorrow. When we're able to be able to go, hey, I've got that up there in the closet. Let me I'll be right back and take care of it right then.
0: And if if I understand you um, from reading your article, you, I guess, had somewhat of an awakening, for lack of a better term, when you transitioned from being in the classroom as a teacher to being at least a a part-time counselor, right? I guess you saw the need.
2: I saw more of a need this past year with that. Um, I've always been with being a collaborative teacher. I've been in so many different classrooms and been um, that stu- I guess that face that stu- multiple students saw throughout the day, and you started seeing the need, different needs kind of develop. But I'm also the organ, the leader of our. Um, gets our FCA first FCA organization at school. So we kind of take care of those service projects and things like that. And it kind of started, you know, just that we use that as the, you know, the, Launching pad for getting the organization, but this year, past year, with being um, working in the counselor role too, as long as the teacher, I was able to see some more ways of more things we needed to get. Like, we um, last time we went on a shopping run, we picked up some more like flip flops and stuff for those kids that you know maybe they need a new pair of shoes and you need them right then. So, that was a way to be able to um, supply it until you know, kind of the next day kind of thing. Um, You see different needs that are met at that point. You know, you see the basic needs when you're in the classroom, but when you're on that one-to-one, sometimes you find out, you know, that there's other needs that you can kind of help meet with. Maybe they need an extra feedback sent home, Um, things like that. But it's just giving that student that safe place to go, hey, I've got a need, and knowing that we can help meet it. Um, We've also started adding um, and realizing that some of our kids didn't have books, Wow. And so trying to get books in the hands of the kids throughout the time, especially getting ready for summer, because we tell these kids, oh, you need to read over the summer. And some of the kids are going, I'd read if I had a book.
0: Right. Well, so. I know this took some some time and planning. I mean, how much effort did it really take Like from when you had the idea to where you actually made it a reality?
2: Um, it took. So we started in January of... I want to say this is our third year now with a closet. So it was January kind of idea and it started on just some Facebook kind of post between a bunch of teachers. And so we ended up going to meet little Rosie's one night, but Jennifer Walker came with us there and her, she had started something similar uh, with just meeting the needs for food with out of her classroom when she was a teacher. And so she kind of had some, she had the experience on how to do this and how to get it started. Um, Cause her and her husband had opened up a food bank, Um, in one of our local communities. And so as teachers, they kind of, she was able to be that resource to kind of go, this is how you're going to get it started. This is what to do. Don't try to overwhelm and kind of do, you know, 50 things in that closet, but focus on a couple of needs that you can do. Um, And so she was that sounding board. House of the Harvest actually helped us get started for the first couple of years with giving us like a startup supply of toiletries and snack items and things like that. But the past two years, we've actually been able, through... through donations from community organizations, um, our PTA at times, and then a couple of fundraisers that we ran through FCA that parents have supported, we're now self-sustaining. So we're able to, if we need to go do a shopping run, to be able to do a PO from that account and go get what we need for the closet.
0: Yeah. And so So. give give me some fundraising ideas. Like how do you you make it so you're self-sustaining? What was the trick?
2: Well, the first trick was figuring out how much it was going to take to be self-sustaining because you don't, the needs change as years go. And so, you know, at first it started off where a church took care of and kind of what's your wish list, kind of bought it off. And then the it's more if the word kept getting out that we had this closet because other schools have started them too. Um You know, like our, we would get, we did like a t-shirt fundraiser one year, which did okay. But then last year we did a nothing bunk Cake fundraiser at Christmas time. And so that's like my fundraiser now. (laughs) Something that, because, and I think I've learned though with fundraising, when people know where it's going, they're more apt to go, hey, I'll participate. I'll help you get to that, that kind of thing. And so that's kind of given us, especially with school, you know, once we get ready and July, August to start back again, you know, if those new students come in and we start to see needs and stuff, we can go to our local um, stores with a PO and kind of take care of some of those needs and stuff as we see them. And you try not to, I mean, it's not a, oh, your parents don't have, you know, it's not a handout kind of thing, but it's a, that kid can't focus on academics if they're hungry. If that kid doesn't have the shoes that fit right, they can't focus on that learning. Um, you know, if they need some toiletry items to take care of themselves and mom's doing all she can do, because that's what I'm finding is you've got a lot of parents that are trying, right? but they just have so much, you know, utility bills have gone up and just expenses in general have. And so some of those little things kind of fall by the wayside sometimes, yeah. not because they want them to, but just because at the end of the month, there's not enough.
0: And I think, you know, all teachers know, and I think you cite, is it, is it Maslow's hierarchy? Like you, you mm-hmm. it's tough to learn when you're hungry or you haven't slept well, like these basic needs. Um, and so at least you guys are trying to fulfill some of those needs. One one thing I really love that you talk about in your in your article is the the fact that you're honest about how fundraising was one thing and getting the closet together was, you know, one thing. And it was a challenge. But the real challenge was getting the students to believe in the closet, to come use the closet, right?
2: Yes. And it was... Sometimes, and especially the younger ones, because we're just an intermediate school, so the younger ones weren't, it was a little easier, you know, but then it was like just this past year with um, doing a couple of kids that needed shoes at times, they were kind of like, oh, they loved the idea, but then it was like, am I going to get in trouble for taking these home? No, baby, it's fine. I don't need these back, you know, if you need them. It's kind of getting them to see that it's not a, it's okay. This is part, this is what we do. We help. Yes, we want you to learn, but we also help to meet that other need if we can. So then the kids would start to go, hey, I don't have a snack today. Or um, chapstick tend to be, I guess, with the different up and down weather that we've had in the south this year. Chapstick started to be one that the kids would go, I really need some chapstick today. Um, As the kids got older, you started to find that it was more of a, they would sneak and say something to the teacher who would say something to you. Or they would, you know, kind of come up and ask. They didn't really want it to be.
0: It's a social stigma, I guess, that they kind of yes, and it it was kind of,
2: but they all they they knew it was there, and if they needed it, they knew, and some you know because it's that whole quote of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. It really is true. I mean, and so that's that kind of thing that you know we wanted the kids just to know, hey, we're here for you if you need us, and so once you are able to meet that one need and they say, yes, you do. They start to build that trust for other things. And so then they come and ask you, the academics start to follow. So then, you know, it's that kind of trust in adults even in general.
0: Well, do you have any tips though? I mean, if they're, if you're dealing with the older kids and they're worried, you know, they don't want to be seen by their friends as taking this handout. Like, I mean, how do you, do you do the transaction discreetly? Is that something you guys focus on or is it just really not a concern?
2: um at times it's if they needed it they would come ask for it but you can have it at the end of the day where it's like hey they come up to the office and they bring their book bag so then whatever's needed goes in the book bag and nobody else knows
0: right and, and you so, know and where do you guys sixth keep the closet is
2: that hard age right you know what i mean <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry so
0: where Where do you guys keep the closet like physically in your right
2: school? right now physically it's in a hallway in between our um like in our like admin office area. So teachers know it's there and it's easy to be accessible for them as well. Plus office staff, if somebody were to come up and ask our um, one of the people up in the front office, hey, I don't have a snack today. They know which ones to kind of you know, which ones really probably would need it or which ones are just going, I didn't, I ran out of money or I didn't get anything. And so, would make sure kind of thing. So, they've learned to, and they can pull from it as well. Have, it's a family environment. It's everybody's. We're all using what we can to get it. We just, you know, it's there for our kids.
0: That's great. Um, have you ever had any feedback from a student that made you think this is why I did this 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 is totally worth it
2: we've had a couple of families over the last couple of years that um we've been able to um pull things from if needed like if something happened and we've not necessarily from the closet but maybe they had a house fire and we were able to get toiletries to be able to send home from the closet or um you know this kid needed that they just knew they could come and get that snack item or um you know, needed that pair of shoes and that kind of thing. And a lot of times you just see it by smiles. They don't necessarily say, you know, the thing. But I had a couple of kids this year when we added the books to the mix that were Like, thank you, because they didn't have anything to read. And so when you're giving them things to where they can take it and it's books as their own, then it's that ownership. And they can read it more than once just to keep reading. So and that's something we just added this year. We hadn't focused on that aspect of it for the first couple of years because you got to take your time to kind of get the deodorant and body wash supply up and things like that. And our parents have been great, you know, to go, hey, if there's anything you need, what's a wish list? So they kind of know my my top few things <laughs> that right. I kind of keep that we go through a lot.
0: What's the advice you have for, for somebody who's thinking about starting this up?
2: Um, first, talk to your admin. Uh, my principal was great and was on board with it from day one. Um, so that's helpful because you don't want to, you want it to be a cooperative effort. You want to, want to do something and try to find a space and try to make something school wide work without getting admin to buy in. Um, so he was great to kind of go ahead. Yes, whatever, you, you know, here's your space, run with it. Um, Get that in and then focus on a couple of things. Kind of see um, if you're not in touch with your counselor, kind of get in touch with her. If you don't know some of the needs within your school and kind of see what you need to focus on. Um, maybe you have a church that's really good at the beginning of the year that provides school supplies. So that doesn't need to be something that you fo- You may need to focus on closet donations for. Um You know, if you got the weekend bags coming, then maybe you just need to focus on some snack type stuff, you know, Easy Mac and things like that. You can send home with a kid if they needed something extra. Um, But kind of keep it small to begin with. If you're in a high school, middle school setting, some of them, um, you know, would put laundry detergent in their place, Hmm, in their closet as well, because that's something like as high schoolers you know that in middle school that's something to add to it so i know that's something like we don't have it in our closet but some of the high schools as they've added it have added it to theirs but you've got to get in touch with the needs of your community so your counselor and your principal are a good place to start with that and start off small i mean maybe you only need to provide the basic toiletries like have deodorant and soap and then snack food to start with
0: now you Um, you mentioned the uh, organization that you you partnered up with at least at the beginning who was that again for uh, the
2: closet oh, house of the harvest house of the harvest are they
0: local or they larger they
2: are local and they've started this um two fish ministries now is what they're calling it um kind of putting everything that they're doing under one kind of thing and so yes they are um they actually came and talked to our our kids one day at one of our fca meetings when we first started we do an annual um couple of food drops for them every year because i wanted to want the kids to know hey they gave it to us we give back it's a cycle of, you know, you give, when you've been given to, you give back and working on that. So we do an annual cereal drive for them in the spring every year. But, um, so yes, House of Harvest and Two Fish Ministries, Adam and Jennifer Walker are amazing resources that have kind of helped us just kind of show us, hey, look, when you do this and you take care of the kids, everything else falls into place and it goes like it's supposed to.
0: Well, Melissa, man, we appreciate uh, what you do and all the great work and, and the fact that you just saw a need and you you responded, you did something about it. So kudos to you. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you for letting me share more of our story.
0: Yeah. Are you ready for our pop quiz?
2: Okay, sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. First question If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Reading. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching?
2: We need more practice with some social, emotional, and social skills um, because even though the kids can be great. Sorry, this is a sh- longer answer. The kids can do great with the um, getting those academics and stuff, but if they don't know how to interact with others and be respectful and have that communication skills for a job, that's what's going to keep the job one day. It's not going to be necessarily what their GPA was.
0: What does every child deserve?
2: Love and an education.
0: What's the biggest challenge for today's educators?
2: Time and support.
0: And what's the best gift to give an educator?
2: Believe, support in that listening ear and just give them that thank you every now and then. Because sometimes you know, we hear, we get the positives like one week a year, but we don't get it all the other times. And sometimes all we get are the, when parents call to complain. So just, you know, show your teachers, you can appreciate them. If you want to give something tangible, that's great. But my favorite thing to get are notes. You know, when students write notes, I keep every, I keep them all. I have them from 13 me. years of teaching. That's awesome.
0: So, Which teacher changed your life?
2: Um, I had a, it's a, t- I went to a small private school when I was growing up. And so my fifth grade teacher, she just took the time to invest in me. And so, and we actually had lunch last summer and I was talking to her about it, but my teachers were that caring person and I had that model growing up. And so when I went into education, I always said, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that private school teacher in a public school setting. So
0: the last question, pen or pencil.
2: Well, uh, flare pen. I almost stumped you colorful. on that one. Of all the you questions, <laughs> it's
0: the pen or pencil question. Well, I because
2: pencil, it. I was thinking then you can erase it. So then I almost said erasable pen, but flare pen. So it's colorful.
0: There you go. Melissa, man, again, we appreciate the time. I'll put some show links in there uh, that include uh, the organization as well as uh, your article on Ed Surge if anybody wants to check those out online. All
2: right. Thank you.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter to search for us by typing in dismiss. On behalf of Russ with school status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ward go and I'll talk with you next week.
1: Class dismissed.